Welcome to My Bible Study, a verse-by-verse devotional study through the Bible with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. In this unique series, Pastor Bob takes you through the Bible just a few verses at a time. No preaching, just a simple Bible reading with examples and explanations of the meaning behind the scriptures. My Bible study will take you from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through the book of Revelation. Now, here is Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello everyone, everywhere. This is Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Welcome to My Bible Study. We have been studying chapter 2 from the book of Genesis. And we left off uh, with verse number 3. And I was given a detailed explanation from Exodus chapter 31 beginning today. We'll pick that explanation back up beginning in verse number 14. Verse 14, you shall keep the Sabbath, therefore. It's holy to you. Everyone that defiles it shall surely be put to death. There is the penalty for violating the Sabbath day. For whosoever does any work in it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Why is that? Why was it so important? God said, if any person is working on the Sabbath day, you'll cut them off from among your people. Because it means they were dishonoring God. They were willfully disobeying his commands. They were not listening to his instructions nor his commandments. Therefore, they were dishonoring him. They were, they were minimalizing his influence in society. I can remember a time in the United States when I was younger that there wasn't anything open on Sundays. You know, you had the hospitals, the police, fire, you know, emergency services were working. Typically, almost every gas station was closed. I think the grocery store opened at 12 noon once church let out. They were open at like 12 to 6. But convenience stores? No. Drug stores? No. Gas stations? No. Everything was shut down because they were honoring the Sabbath day. They were giving people a chance to attend church services. They were giving people a chance to worship the Lord their God. They were giving people a chance to rest from their labors. But greed took over. The love of money superseded the love of God. Suddenly, convenience stores were staying open. Grocery stores, instead of opening at 12 noon or 1 o'clock in the afternoon, kept regular hours. Malls opened, and they wanted people to come in on Sundays. All these things happened. There was no alcohol sold in the United States on Sunday. And they were called the Blue Laws. There was no alcoholic beverages sold at all on Sundays, even when convenience stores did open. No. No alcohol. They would have them covered up. The beer cases would be covered up or locked. There was no alcohol sold. Now liquor stores are open on Sundays. We have defiled the Sabbath day, especially in this nation. And we see whoever, every one of you that defiles it shall be put to death. Is there any wonder why our society is going to hell in a handbasket today? Is there any wonder why immorality rules the halls of Congress and floods this nation with their immoral lifestyles called normal? Is there any, is there any wonder why God's judgment is coming to America? 
And the only reason this nation has not been destroyed right now is because of his grace and his mercy and the people who are praying. You can look at all these different, there's like 16 different football games taking place on Sunday, between Sunday and Monday. 32 teams, right? 15, 16 games, probably 12 of them anyway, 12, 13 being played on Sunday. You got one on Monday and one on Thursday. Between all of those 15 games, let's say, being played on Sunday with 50,000, 60,000 people in attendance at every game, right? You're talking half a million people or more every Sunday that take the time to not just watch a three-hour football game in person at the stadium, millions and millions more watching on television, but at least, what, 750,000 people are taking the time to actually sit down, that'd be more than that, probably close to, probably close to a million people, are taking the time to travel to the football stadium, sit in sometimes adverse weather conditions, to watch a game. That's not even counting the drive time. That's not even counting the tailgate time. That's not even counting all the alcohol that's consumed at the game. All the, the worship of people as idols of football games. But yet when you drive down the street, you see church parking lots empty or just a few cars there. You go inside and these, in, in not every situation, but in 90% of the situations, these churches are not even half full. They're like a third full. Back in the 1970s or so, something where along the neighborhood of 90% of the people of this land claimed to be Christian. Approximately 70% of them attended services on a regular basis. As few as 20 years ago, that number had dropped to about 70% claiming to be Christian and less than 50% attended services on a regular basis. And from what I've just read recently, today, and as we get ready to go into 2020 at the time of this recording, less than 40% of this nation claims to be a Christian. And less then 10 to 15% say they attend services on a regular basis. Is there any wonder this nation is in the peril it's in right now? Is there any wonder why this nation has gone to hell just in our lifetime? Is there any wonder why crime is rampant, immorality is rampant? Is there any wonder why homosexual lifestyles are being promoted as normal, why transgender activists are inside the kindergarten rooms promoting their lifestyle to kids? Is there any wonder why we are in the living in the days and times of the end as we are right now? Can it be any more evident why Jesus needs to come back soon? And that's the purpose of this Bible study, to share with you the word, to share with you the original intent of creation, of Jesus coming to save this earth, to save mankind. This is the purpose we're going through this. Now, 
to reject the Sabbath of God means basically to reject God. It was to reject God's covenant and deny that the Israelites were set apart from the world. You know, in Exodus 23, verses 10 through 12, it says, Even the land was given a day of rest. Six years you shall sow your land, and you shall gather in the fruits of it. But the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie still, that the poor of your people may eat, and that they may leave the beasts of the field something to eat. In like manner you shall deal with your vineyard and with your olive yard. Six days you shall do your work. On the seventh day you'll rest that my ox and your ass may rest, the son of your handmaiden and the stranger may be refreshed. You know, I can remember, and I still see this in some places, especially out in the Midwest and farm country. Let's say there's 100 acres on this farm, just for simplicity. That farmer will set aside a portion of it one-seventh of it, sometimes it's 25% and they rotate it around every four years. But those who obey the word of God, he'll set aside a seventh of it, let's say 30 acres. I guess it would be less than that, 17 acres or so each year and just let it rest. If it grows weeds, it grows weeds. If there's seed in there and some uh, harvest grain comes up, he just leaves it there. You know, the animals can eat it. But every year he rotates it. So every seventh year, this portion of the land gets a chance to rest and rejuvenate itself. The nutrients that come back into the ground. And he just rotates around because he still has to make a living. He still has to feed his family. He still has to pay bills. God said, let this land rest once every seven years. And that's what the Christians who are out in farm country usually do is they will rest that portion of the land this year next year they shift it to the next day so every seven years those acres remain resting according to the board of god those farmers that do not do that those corporations that run this operation for the large-scale farms they don't do that what do they do they put chemicals into the ground nutrients fertilizer into the ground to try and make the ground rejuvenate. Over time, that ground dies. Only God's plan ensures that this ground will continue to produce abundantly. Only God's plan does that. When man tries to interfere with God's plan, it does not work long term. All right? So, to make it even clearer now, about how important the day of rest was. Even slaves were commanded to observe. It says, Now these judgments which you shall set before them, if you buy a Hebrew servant, six years he'll serve you, and the seventh year he'll go free for no charge, for nothing. Right? That's Exodus 21, verses 1 and 2. We talk about a bond servant. What is a bond servant? <laughs> Glad you asked. Do you have a job? Do you have a job? 99% of the people are going to raise their hand on that one, right? What is your job? And I don't mean what details are, you know, well, I work a printing press or I work as a police officer. It doesn't matter what it is. What is your job? Your job is you set aside a portion of your 24-hour day to serve 
another person. That person could be a corporation. You serve in that capacity. In exchange, this person or this company or corporation provides you some of the sustenance of what you are working for. And back in biblical times, that person would be given part of the grain and part of the harvest to take care of their family and things like that. The owner of the slave to which you are obligating your services for six years, they would take care of health, sometimes housing, and things like that. That's why you receive benefits, in most cases, by your employers today. You get health care. Uh, you get all these different things because this is part of being a servant, a bond servant, where you voluntarily go and obligate yourself to serve the needs of your master. Now, if you don't think that's what your job is, just think about it in those terms. You're promising I will come to work 8 to 5 or whatever the time is, five days a week, and I will serve you in this capacity. If that employer said, thank you for volunteering to come to work for us, I do appreciate it. What's your response? Volunteer? I'm not volunteering for anything. You're hiring me. I want... So you are a servant. You don't believe that? Go to work, just kick back, start drinking coffee and reading the newspaper all day. See how long it takes for someone to come in, a supervisor to come in and tell you, you either get to work or get out. You are obligated. You are a servant. You will do what they tell you to do. Well, I can quit if I want to. Well, yes, you can. Now, what we're talking about here in the Hebrew times was a bondservant, someone who either had a debt or needed some income or needed some money to pay off an obligation or to take care of their family. He would go and become a bond servant to this person. And for six years, they would be a servant. That's not to say they were a you know slave in chains or anything like that. No. But you say, I will contract with you for six years to be a servant to you. And whatever capacity you need me in, or to maybe to build a house, or whatever the case may be, that's what a bond servant would be. But they're only under contract for six years. In the seventh year, doesn't matter how important they were to the business, if that person wanted to leave, his contract was over and the owner could not say, well, I want you to give me $10,000 and I'll let you go. No, it wasn't like that. You're not purchasing this person like you would a, an obligated slave. A bond servant would serve six years. Seventh year, they could go free. Now, there's scriptural basis here that if... They enjoy working for this owner. They enjoy working for this family or this business, and they wanted to stay longer. They could say, kind of like uh, you know what we do today, where you work for a company and you want to stay with them. And in exchange, they'll provide you a pension or retirement or contribute to your 401k and things like that. Back in biblical days, they you know your time's up. You can go now. I don't want to go. I want to stay here. I, I appreciate you, your family, how you take care of us, and I want to stay here with you. Then they would publicly make a demonstration adopting that person into their family, 
no longer a bond servant that would just be obligated six years. You are now part of the family. And they would, you know, it says pierce his ear through at the doorpost. In other words, he can go free if he wants. Do you want to stay or go? And I want to stay. Then they would, when they say pierce his ear, what they're doing is they're giving him an earring that symbolizes he is part of the family. That's basically what it means. Okay. Now, that's no charge for what I just shared with you there. Amen. Psalms 23, verse 1 and 2. Remember, we're talking about being able to rest on the seventh day. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside the still waters. There's your rest. The Lord is our shepherd. He's going to provide for us. He's going to take care of us. He makes you lie down. When someone makes you lie down, when they make you go to bed to rest, he leads me beside the still waters. The still waters, there's, there's no rapids that you got to try and cross. These are the provisions there. The green pasture is there. The water for you to drink is there. He's making you lie down. That is your rest. Right there in Psalms 23. Hallelujah. All right. So that gives us hope of a coming rest that we will receive when we make it through this life and rest with the Lord in the life to come. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's the type and shadow I was talking about. Now, there are numerous, there, there are so many scriptures in the Bible where the Lord clearly makes it known to his people to observe and receive the day of rest. Too many for me to go into today. Uh, I just don't have the time to, to read all of them to you. But we'll be talking about them, though, as we continue to reach those chapters and verses as we continue our verse-by-verse walk through the Bible. Amen? So that basically... Uh, Brings us now to chapter 4. I'm sorry, verse 4 in chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. Now, I'm going to, in the time we have left, I'm going to complete, hopefully, prayerfully, chapter 2 for us. We already studied day 6 in detail last time. This is where God created man and women, right? Men and women are created for Adam and Eve, right here. And this is a little bit more detail on the creation of this. We covered it last time, so I'm just going to highlight these areas because there's certain things I want to bring out in the time we have left. Let's begin reading in Genesis chapter 4, and I'm going to read all the way down. Uh, We'll go all the way through verse 25. I'm probably not going to read it all at once. We'll just cover some parts here. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Every plant of the field before it was in the earth, every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, because there was not a man to till the ground. Now, God blessed the seventh day, hallowed it, right? He separated it from all the other creation, because he had rested from his creation work which he had made. God didn't rest for the same reason we do, folks. He he didn't get tired. He wasn't weary from working six days. He rested as someone who was well pleased with the work he had accomplished and what what he had set out to do. The creatures of the heavens and the earth, the hosts of the armies of them, I guess you could say, 
they're numerous. There are so many different varieties of insects and, and birds and animals in the earth. But every one of them, mosquitoes, larvae, butterflies, lions, tigers, bears, ants, they all are ordered. They're all disciplined in what they do. They are all under some type of control. It's God's control. They know their place. They know what their purpose is. They're used by God in specific things. They're also used by God in defense of his people, the destruction of his enemies. God has, he rules over nature. And he can overrule the order of nature as he sees fit in the performing of miracles. But he has never changed, nor has he ever repealed any law of nature or added to the elements of nature. There's been no new creations. We're not, we, we don't go along, you know, just hopping along, you know, life's going great. And all of a sudden there's this huge new creation or create creature walking down the downtown streets of your local city. People say, whoa, what is this? And the voice comes from heaven, I created this for you. That doesn't happen. It does not happen. Everything that we needed in the earth, in creation, was created back in the creation. Praise the Lord. No new things. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 25 is basically the third point in Moses' account of the creation of the world. You know, and his first point was in the beginning, right? The beginning of creation, Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, this is how it started. His second point was the days of creation. That's Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 3, basically chapter 1, verse 3, all the way through chapter 2, verse 3, Okay. And the third point is the beginning of man and woman. This is Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 25. So verse 4 is simply the introduction of the third point Moses is trying to make about the creation. Uh, point 1 and 2, Moses used the name for God of Elohim. And the third point, he uses the name for the first time, Jehovah Elohim, translated the Lord God. The plants referred to in verse 5 are not the trees and you know the bushes and all that. These are referring to plants that specifically needed cultivation. These are the plants Adam was to tend to and take care of. Let's read that in verse 5. Every plant of the field before it was in the earth, every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused the rain on the earth, there was not a man to till the ground. So we're talking here about what it was man was going to take care of. But notice what was just said, or is said in verse 5, the end of verse 5 and verse 6. Uh, the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth, for there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. 
Thank you for joining Pastor Bob as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible in this series called My Bible Study. We pray this study will bring you closer to God and reveal His Word and His will for you through the Scriptures. We would consider it an honor and a blessing if you would support this outreach with your financial offerings. We have partnered with Patreon to offer you unique gifts and benefits for various levels of giving. Please visit our page on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. That link again is patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.